I think it's always hard, especially in like businesses when you're moving really fast to forget to do the, the basic things, right? To handle your to handle your business, to know the ins and outs so intimately that every single time you package a tie, you know exactly what goes into it. Welcome back to The Founder's Couch. This is a talk show about the most inspiring student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Katherine Jang. Today, we have an exciting conversation ahead of us. I speak with Shreyas Parab. Shreyas is a junior at Stanford and co-founder of Angle Global, an online education platform with the goal of teaching the world English. So far, Angle Global has struck a partnership with one of China's largest spelling bees to provide technology to their 5 million students, and have been working in collaboration with several education companies across Canada and the United States. But this isn't Shreyas' first business. When Shreyas was a freshman in high school, he co-founded Spell for Success, another educational tool used by spellers across the country to train, and was the winner of Diamond Challenge, the world's top entrepreneurship competition for high school students. And before that, he founded the Thai business Novel Thai, making him the Thai guy of the greater Philadelphia area. Through Novel Thai, he has sold thousands of ties across the country and became a supplier to Walmart. Now onto the show, let's get Treyas on the couch. Hey, Shreyas, welcome to the show. Hey, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. How's everything going? Good so far. Very good. Yeah. Um, Shreyas, why don't we get started by talking a little bit more about where you're from and, and where'd you grow up? Sounds good. So I hail from the beautiful and underrated city of Philadelphia. And I always say that because a lot of people don't realize that Philadelphia is the gem of the East Coast. A lot of ways, I mean, in a lot of ways, America was born in Philadelphia. Uh, which So anyway, I talk about Philadelphia ad nauseum, but I'm really proud to be uh, from the city of Philadelphia. And yeah, I, I grew up here and I spent basically from first grade all the way up until I went to college uh, right here in Pennsylvania. Uh, I can see, um, you know, your love for your, your home city definitely coming through the Zoom screen right now. <laughs> Indeed. I, I will say it's almost people in the area love Philadelphia almost to a fault, especially mm. Philadelphia sports teams, which can be extremely hard like it is this year, actually right. for most sports, almost right. always. I feel that way for um, my home state, Texas. I feel like a lot of fanatics there for sure. For um, sure. Yeah, so Shreyas, I've given listeners a bit of a rundown on, on what Angle Global um, is all about, but how would you describe what your company does in your own words? Yeah, simply put, Angle tries to get kids excited about English language. I mean, we spent, you know, Shuram and I, my co-founder and I, um, we spent years studying the English language uh, for spelling bees, and we realized we loved it. And yet millions of students across the world who were learning English hated it. They saw it as a means to an end. But once you start to really appreciate the beauty and the complexities of English, and you start to hack the English language, you realize it's a really powerful tool that you can figure out. It's not just a list of memorization. And uh, that's really what Angle is all about, is getting kids excited uh, about English. Because it is, it is a fun thing. We try to make it so. Yeah, it sounds definitely inspiring. And I, I want to get to that definitely later um, in this show. But I want to kind of take us back a couple years. Um, I guess when you were first in middle school, high school, and you had this Thai business that was happening, right? You, this definitely wasn't the, the first time that you were starting a company with Angle Global. This kind of originated back in the day. So can you maybe talk us a little bit more about that, you know, Thai business that you had started back in the day and what that was, what that was like? Yeah, of course. So when I, so a little background is when you hit after eighth grade, you can't compete in spelling bees anymore, right? So here I was in middle school, 
studying hours upon hours for the spelling bee, right? And I did well, I went to nationals and I was like, you know what, I did a pretty good job. And then the day after the spelling bee, I thought, okay, well, what's next, right? What do I do, right? I, I thought I'd reached my peak at the age of whatever, 13. And that's not a great place to be, right? So I thought to myself, okay, you know what? Let's see what the, let's see what the world has to offer beyond the dictionary. And when I went to high school, I switched into a private school where I had to wear a tie every day of my life. And for anyone who knew me in middle school, they knew that I had the least dress game of anyone. I would roll in with sweatpants, a hoodie. I would be wearing shorts in January, which is like a, a classic, you know, classic middle schooler Philadelphian kind of thing to do, right? And that just didn't fly at the new private school I was going to. And as a result, I thought, if I started making ties that were fun and kind of cool to wear, would other students like to do it? Because I know I hated wearing ties. And that's kind of how novel ties started. And it started out kind of like, as most things did in my life, as a joke. I was like, you know what? I hate wearing ties. Like, let's see if I can get, if I can get edgy with it. And so I made a stud muffin tie. And it was a horrible, ugly looking tie. And again, you, you can't see it, uh, but I can show you how ugly it was. It was horrible. But I thought, you know what? If I could sell 50 of these, maybe I should tr give another try. And I kept on selling 50 more, 50 more, 50 more. And then it started growing into a regional business. We started selling ties all across the tri-state area. And then we started going national. And so just a, what started out as a joke and a way for me to gain a little more confidence, perhaps to a, you know, boost up my middle, uh, high school ego, turned into a, you know, a really fun D2C brand. Um, out of all the guests I've talked to, definitely a tie business is one that sticks out a bit more <laughs> relative to, to some of the software businesses that I have um, discussed. And I, I guess I'm curious with this, this novel ties uh, business that you built, Shreyas, what was kind of the most surprising thing that happened along that journey that, you know, at the beginning you, you could not have predicted? Yeah, I think the biggest one was realizing just how, you know, there are, you know, I guess when I, when I was starting out, I thought, you know what, it's easy to sell things. You just go up to someone and say, would you like this? And if they say no, that's the end of it. And if they say yes, congrats, you made a sale, right? But over, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of rejections and acceptances of, of selling ties, you know, oftentimes one-on-one, -on -one, you start to realize there are actually really good mechanisms of what makes a good salesperson. And it oftentimes is things that, you know, things that no one had ever taught me in school, no one ever would teach me in school, but, you know, subtle ways of noticing how people think, being able to observe people, being able to think a little bit harder about what you have and what people want. And perhaps if they don't align, perhaps not even trying to sell something. I mean, I think being a tie salesman, again, compared to a lot of the gross software businesses, I know my, my like, you know, Stanford classmates were starting. I mean, selling ties forced me to go one-on-one, -on -one, customer to customer, and talk to them and try to convince them to buy a chick magnet tie. And, it, you know, my, my biggest success story was being able to sell a chick magnet tie to an 80-year-old grandfather. I thought, if I can do that, I, am, I, I can do anything in this world. And that gave wow, me the that's confidence huge. That, that That might be the biggest accomplishment ever. <laughs> it was huge. I mean, he wore, it to, he wore it to Easter Sunday, which is, you know, mind you, his entire family is gathering uh, for, you know, a religious day of observance. And here, here is this man rocking a chick magnet tie. His grandkids loved it. His, his, uh, his wife definitely found it funny. And, uh, you know, it, it was just amazing to be a part of that kind of moment. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, Shreyas, why don't you tell us a little bit about Spell for Success? Because this was a company that you started after Novel Ties, but it was pretty pivotal to your journey as an entrepreneur in high school, wasn't it? Definitely, definitely. So Spell for Success, funny enough, um, I don't know, it was with my current co-founder of Angle, uh, Shriram Hathwar. So he and I had competed in spelling bees together, and mind you, like, he whooped my butt. 
up and down the block. He was the best speller I'd ever known and probably the world has ever known, right? And I say that like, not to just hype him up, but it's actually quite true. He is perhaps one of the best spellers I'll ever know. And one of the things that we realized was we loved English and we had really good strategies of how to learn English at the highest levels to take the top 1% of middle school spellers and take them to the 0.01%. And we realized like that knowledge was just going to be lost if we didn't do something with it. And so he and I teamed up together to basically start a company to help train and like, you know, basically imagine, you know, train gladiators in spelling. That's, that's how we were thinking about it is take the best and turn them into the best of the best. And that's what Spell for Success was through videos, games, quizzes, you know, basic, you know, education, but really focusing on hacking the English language. Gotcha. And what, how did Diamond Challenge come into this? So I know with Diamond Challenge, you have like a business plan and you go through some sort of competition. So did you, you know, did you and Sri um, kind of come up with this Spell for Success business plan and submit it and, and that's how it went? Yes. Yeah, so actually, you know, the, you know, you know, hand to God truth is that the year before I entered the Diamond Challenge with Shuram, my brother, who's three years older than me, he won the Diamond Challenge with two of his friends. And now, I don't know what this says about me, but as the younger sibling, I thought to myself, well, you know what? If my brother won his, sen- his senior year of high school, the Diamond Challenge, I guess I'm going to have to win, and preferably freshman year. And so I, I called Shuram up and I said, look, Shuram, I know both of us can come up with really good ideas together. We were amazing friends and we were amazing collaborators on, you know, for many different reasons. And we thought, you know what, we got to win this. More so to prove it to my brother and stick it to him than anything. But it ended up really being a good idea. So what started out as a way for me to get back at my brother turned into a really good, compelling submission. Because once we started working on this problem, we realized just how much we loved it. That I mean, almost to an irrational level, how much we loved spelling. Because we had spent middle school years, and in Rami's, or Shuram's case, elementary school years, studying it for hours upon hours a day. So, I mean, it was about time that we uh, took it from our heads and brought it to more people. Absolutely. And, you know, in our last conversation, um, Shreyas, we talked a little bit about kind of how Diamond Challenge accelerated your realization um, in terms of your love for entrepreneurship. Can you maybe talk to me about how Diamond Challenge was impactful in that sense? Yeah. So before Diamond Challenge, I always say this, like I was a tie salesman, right? I had funny, quirky ideas and I thought, ah, you know what? I can get a couple of people buying them for sure, right? I can be a local tie salesman and I could potentially live a good life, not as a tie salesman, but you know, uh, kind of following this model of, you know what? Just have a very simple business, have strong unit economics and grow very steadily into a regional business, right? And that's kind of what my idea of entrepreneurship was. And that's the entrepreneurship that was modeled in my local, like the small business ecosystem. And I was frankly just amazed at how that was possible in this country. But what the Diamond Challenge showed was that there was also more opportunity out there opportunity that I couldn't even think of that, you know, not just building a a strong regional business, but thinking big enough to scale into a national business, an international one. And I think the diamond challenge really said, you know what, if you learn these fundamentals and you do them, do them correctly and you bring the sale, uh, you know, the skills of a tie salesman, maybe you could take your ideas into something bigger than just a regional small business. And um, I, I don't know. I think the diamond challenge was a pivotal point in that where it said, you know what, maybe you don't have to make money right away. Maybe you can wait, three years to make money and raise venture funding. Maybe you can think a little bit bigger instead of just thinking about a thousand users, think about 10,000. And so I think that's really what the Diamond Challenge did for me is turn my thinking from local, which is also incredibly helpful and very great, into thinking more globally. That's incredible. And 
so you took this business, uh, you had co-founded this with Sriram, you know, competed in the Diamond Challenge, and then later you guys ended up selling the company. Is that right? Indeed, indeed. So it was about junior year of high school. And so Shuram, he has a younger brother named Jayram. And if you're one of the best spellers in the world, and again, similar to how I had to compete in the Diamond Challenge to stake it to my brother, Jayram had to do the th same thing for his older brother. So after Shuram won, you know, he took off for a couple of years, you know, he went to Disney World, whatever it is, you know, superstar athletes do. Um, and then he started helping his younger brother coach, you know, he started coaching his younger brother. And what Shuram realized was, Potentially, J-Ram was a better speller than himself. And J-Ram ended up also winning the National Spelling Bee. And what Shuram and I realized was, you know what? When you win the National Spelling Bee, you get a lot of national attention. You go on Jimmy Kimmel. You go on the Today Show. You're doing a lot of press. And so we used that momentum to uh, email a bunch of education companies saying, hey, you know what? We have this idea. We've, we've started doing the basic blocks. And we've started doing the fundamental work. And we've laid the groundwork. But we don't actually know how to take it to scale. Maybe you could help us with that. And this was the proposal we sent out to, I would say about 100 ed tech companies. I would say about 10 of them responded, three of them responded positively, and one of them was actually kind of interested. And this company is a Chicago-based education company. And they said, you know what? We like what you guys bring. You guys know the space better than anyone else, in, in, I mean, arguably in the entire world. You guys should build your product on our platform. And that's what ended up happening. And to this day, much to my parents and my own happiness, every, every January I get a royalty check. Shuram and I both get a royalty check. And uh, let's just say the holiday season is a particularly happy one. Ever That's since incredible. Then. I love that. <laughs> and so at what age was this when you, you know, formally sold that business? I think it was 17, maybe 16. I, I'll be honest. Yeah, I think it was 16 or 17. How did, how did it make you feel? Well, you know, I think there were a lot of great things that came out of it, right? Which was one, we learned how to work within a large organization and mainly like really identify what our value prop was to a big company and try to convince them of it. Because I mean, we were the upstart, right? Like we were the, the small people. They obviously had lawyers, they had engineers, they had everything. And honestly, they were growing much faster than anything we could have ever imagined, right? And so one, being able to convince and work with a big company and like align value and, uh, incentives as well as like navigate kind of like all the craziness that comes with a big company. That was one lesson. But another lesson that kind of we realized maybe after the process ended was that, you know what, it was fantastic for us because we couldn't scale our idea ourselves at the time, but there was still a hunger for us to try to do something ourselves and try to build it ourselves. Because again, working with partners will obviously not have, it's not like limitations, but it's like, there's different incentives at, at play. And so I think that's one thing we realized was, you know what, if we want to build it the way we want to build it, that means we're going to have to go through the, we're going to have to do the hard thing and build it ourselves. Um, and that was like a, a lesson that we carry today is that just because there's someone who can offer money or who can offer like an easier path doesn't mean you should take it, right? If you want control over your own destiny, that comes at a, at a pretty big cost. And that comes at your time, love, mental health, whatever it is, but uh, it definitely comes <laughs> at a cost. Right. And that takes me to kind of my next um, topic, which is Angle Global, um, the company you're, you're working on today. And, and I believe you started this with two other co-founders around a year and a half ago. Walk us through your inspiration for that company. What kind of motivated you and your co-founders um, to spend, you know, a lot of your time on this? Yeah. Yeah. So again, like, it, you know, I feel like when we say it out loud, it actually sounds ridiculous that we've sunk this much time into what we're working on. But again, at the end of the day, like, we really do love spelling and we love education. And I think one of the things that, you know, 
I know has fueled all three of us is being able to work with students and teach them and like, especially in classroom settings and see that excitement when things just click, right? I remember about uh, what, maybe a year and a half, yeah, roughly the beginning of Angle. Um, Shuram and I, we, we flew out to China uh, to attend the Spelling Bee of China, which Shuram has been heavily involved in. And we got, you know, Shuram got a chance to teach in the classroom. And again, I, not being as good of a speller as Shuram, got to sit back in the back of the classroom and, you know, watch the class as well as like play at recess with the kids. Because recess was something I was good at. And I think I knew my strength there. But the thing that we really loved and the thing that motivates us is seeing those kids when it, when it makes sense to them. You know, there's one particular you know, kid I have in mind. His uh, American name was Gavin. And the pride and excitement he felt when he conquered English in our classroom was something that I, I had never witnessed before. And through all of the tough times, you know, you know, we as a team, we always joke like, you know what? We're doing this for Gavin, right? Because you know, he was an extremely enthusiastic, excited kid. And he had all of these crazy, very crazy ideas, mind you, about what the world should look like. But he just couldn't communicate them yet. And so being a part of you know, students like that journey, I think is what motivates us. So um, sometimes that, that wanes. And in any startup, I'm, I'm confident you know, like, it can be tough when you hit those roadblocks. But just being so passionate about the issue and, and really caring about the students we work with. Because at one point, we were those students, right? And so... You know, it's it's humbling oftentimes to to uh, put ourselves back in those shoes because we were we were them only what seven or eight years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it definitely brings a perspective when you're building a business around something that you've personally experienced before. I think it adds a a, um, a more I guess intimate layer to the business itself. What about you know doing international business in general? Because I know you you said that you guys started working with one of the largest spelling bees in China, flying to China. Um, you know, doing business in China. What was that like? I mean, we'll still, we're still figuring it out. I mean, I, I think only, we'll know years from now if, we, if, if we've done it correctly, right? But I think one of the most interesting things is really just gaining an appreciation for how things get done in different places, right? And not necessarily in good ways or bad ways, but it's different. And it caused, you know, I know working with our partners in China have forced us to think a little bit differently about how we solve problems. You know, I think we, identified similar problems, but navigating that and figuring out, okay, you know what, when things don't work, how do you adapt to it? I think in, and maybe it's specific to, to US and China, maybe it's, you know, generalized across all cultures, but there's different ways people respond to that. And, you know, one thing we learned was, you know what, oftentimes we were, we would spend a lot of, we would spend 80% of the time thinking and 20% of the time doing, right? Whereas in China, the partners we worked with, I was almost flipped. It was, you know what, ship as much code as you can. And if it's bad, don't worry, we'll go back and we'll fix it later. Right. And we just, you know, they would put in, you know, people powers almost five times as much as we could. Right. They have this culture of, it's called 995, you know, 9am to 9pm, five days, or 996, sorry, 9am to 9pm, six days a week. Right. And unfortunately as full-time students, we just, we, we could never match that. Right, but also things like how do you negotiate? I mean, you know, we spent almost a full year working on a single partnership agreement, um, and again, we like to think that that partnership agreement is extremely valuable, so it's worth putting in the time and and doing it right. But things that we thought mattered to them didn't matter at all, and things that they thought were super important to us, we were like, honestly, that's totally fine with us. And I think reconciling those uh, differences came to 
we have different value systems in, in both countries. So learned a lot and still learning a lot because uh, communication is always a challenge, but yeah, I, I can go on a little bit more, but that's a, a briefer into why it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely interesting. And that kind of, you know, those learnings um, that you took from, you know, obviously uh, working on negotiating, communicating with business people over there, um, in terms of, you know, your three business endeavors as a whole, so Novel Ties, um, Spell for Success, Angle Global, what would you say are some of the key lessons that you learned from, you know, these past three businesses that you've essentially been a part of? Yeah, I, I, will, I will note, these are the only three business endeavors that have made it to the point in which they're worth talking about. There have been so many, so many others that just never hit the ground or, or never, you know, got enough gunpowder to launch. Um, and so I, I can't emphasize that enough. There were so many, many that no one will ever know besides me or, you know, a, two or three other people because they were still just ideas in the head and prototypes. And, and again, so there were many of those that I don't think will ever get talked about. So uh, rest in peace to those. But I think, um, the top lessons from, I think, these three specific ones. I think, again, one of them goes down, goes back to sales, right? And not sales in like the traditional, like, hey, I'm a car salesman or I'm a tie salesman trying to get you to buy my product, but really thinking deeply and intently about what matters to other people. I think that level of awareness that I've been able to gain by just spending a lot of time talking to people and understanding what exactly it is they want and if it's even possible for me to get something close to what it is they want. Um, so, you know, I'll give one quick mini example. Um, so when I was in high school, one of our Novelty's best customers, he was a classmate and a friend of mine, Mark Dombrowski, he unfortunately passed away. And one of the things that I loved about Mark was that he was just always a, full of energy and he was just, again, one of the best people uh, at our school by far. And one of the things that was really interesting about what he valued was supporting his friends. Was, you know, at the, he was one of the people who first bought a tie, even when they were ugly. In fact, probably when they were ugliest, he bought one. And he said, you know what, Trace, I'll do whatever it is, but anyway, I can support you, right? And I think back to that and, you know, that's what mattered to him was supporting someone. And I realize everybody has different reasons to support someone or has different reasons to buy a product or, or use a service, right? But if you can really get down to the core idea of what it is they want to do, you can better cater to them. And you can eventually expand your service to them, right? And after, you know, uh, Mark had passed away, like the way we continue his memory was we created a tie in his honor and all of the proceeds go to serving other people and supporting them in their, you know, athletic journeys. And I don't know, I think that was one big lesson was figuring out what it is that people care about and servicing that need and taking it a step further, even when you don't have to. The second thing, um, and again, I, I apologize, these lessons are kind of long, but the, the second one, um, I think goes to what it means to work on a team. I've been lucky that, you know, Shiram and I have been arguably best friends probably for about seven years now. And we've worked together for many, many hours on many, many things. Um, but one of the things I love about our team, which is Shriram, Ryan and I, is that whenever we get into arguments or we don't agree, which happens a lot, the second the decision is made, we move on. We don't linger. We don't focus on the past. We try to control what's ahead of us. And it's frankly really hard to do. And something that I think took, you know, many hours and years of building a relationship where, you know, we just have such a good respect for each other that a decision is a decision, but it doesn't really tear us apart the way I think it could. Um, so when you make a decision, 
move on and control what you can. Um, and then the last, I think the biggest lesson is always package your ties, right? It doesn't matter like how many, how many, if I could make a million dollars tomorrow, it doesn't matter because I'll always know how to package my ties. And what I mean by that is when I was selling ties, I would be in the basement for hours after school, packaging ties, and then oftentimes delivering them, you know, near the holiday season when UPS just couldn't handle it. And I think it's always hard, especially in like businesses when you're moving really fast to forget to do the, the basic things, right? To handle your to handle your business, to know the ins and outs so intimately that every single time you package a tie, you know exactly what goes into it. Because when, you know, if you're shipping a product like now we are, um, you know, I'll say, wow, this is not what I was expecting. You know, this final mock-up is not what I was expecting. And then I spend time understanding what the designer is going through. And I'm like, wow, it's because we didn't give you the right direction. We didn't put in the thought because we didn't package our own tie, you know? And I think that lesson is now, everywhere is if I can't package my own tie, I sure as heck can't expect anyone else to. So always package your ties, kids. I love those, um, those three lessons. I, I can definitely relate and especially love that analogy at the end with, with packaging your ties. So Shreyas, I want to move on to kind of the fire round um, where I basically fire at you a couple really quick um, and, and spicy questions and I will expect a response, a quick response. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right, Treya. So first question, what is unique about being a student founder? In school, your only focus is to learn. In business, it's not just to learn, but it's all to achieve a successful outcome. One piece of advice for students who are looking to start something. Many ideas never take off, but that, that shouldn't stop you from starting it because you never know which idea will be the one that could take off. Quarantine activity that keeps you sane. The biggest one is going on long walks with friends on the phone or in person, you know, socially distanced, because uh, just being outside right now is, is, is really, after days, hours on Zoom, being outside anywhere, any weather. Totally get that. And last question, where do you see Angle Global going and what are the next steps for Shreyas Parab? Next steps for Shreyas is probably getting a good night's sleep. I, I, I can't think very far ahead on, on my own life. I mean, if you were to ask me what I'm having for breakfast tomorrow, I have no idea, right? So I, I will say on Angle, on the other hand, I, I think I have a, a better grasp of where that might be going. And I think the first one is figuring out how do we get kids excited about learning language? Because we realize that if we can create the same effect that happened to us when we were kids and we discovered gamifying English through spelling bees, we realized we could have an outsized impact on the education market and really teaching kids, uh, not just how, you know, not just teaching kids English, but teaching kids how English works and how they can use it successfully. And then another big part of Angle is being a global company. We called it Angle Global very specifically because English can be a language for the entire world. We see English not just as a language of, you know, a language of necessity, one you need to engage in education or commerce, but one that can be a universal language for us to be able to communicate and share ideas across cultural, across cultures and across countries. And so our real unified goal is, can we have, can, can we create a platform where kids from all over the world can connect and bond over their shared experience of learning language together? I love that. That's, that's incredibly um, inspiring, Shreyas. And I think that's actually the last fire on question. Um, this has been a great pleasure, Shreyas, just to hear more about, you know, your three businesses that you've started, although it seems like you've definitely contemplated more. Um, it's definitely rare to find a guest who has, you know, done so much um, in terms of entrepreneurship. So definitely thank you for your time on in coming on the show. Thank you so much, Catherine, for having me.
Such a fun and insightful episode. Thanks so much, Treyas, for coming on the couch. If you liked hearing from a Stanford founder, you might enjoy episode number 21, where we talk with Amber Yang. If you haven't already, subscribe to Founders Couch wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating and review. If you want to see more from us or DM me ideas for questions or guests, which please keep them coming, are always, always welcome, follow us on Instagram at Founders Couch. Catch us Friday after next, February 5th, for another Founders Couch Friday. I'm Catherine Jang, and you've been listening to The Founder's Couch. See y'all soon.